This episode is supported by Jace Medical. You may or may not know that in December, drug shortages across the U.S. hit a record high. This is causing severe disruptions in medical treatments, resulting in delays, treatment cancellations, and the unfortunate rationing of vital medications. I know that I have heard in the last few months from multiple mom friends of mine, instances where they have not been able to get medications for themselves or for their children in critical crisis moments. This is so, so scary. I know I've had friends with their kids having seasonal flu cold symptoms, struggling to breathe, and they're at urgent care and unable to get the antibiotics that they need because of these shortages. This is scary stuff. Most notably, one of the short supply antibiotics is amoxicillin, which is commonly used for so many of our children's illnesses. So here's where Jace Medical comes in. They have the Jace case, which is a personalized emergency medication kit that contains five essential antibiotics that are used for the most common and deadly bacterial infections. And you can also customize your case and add additional life-saving medications based on your or your children's family's unique needs, like an EpiPen, for example, something that you would never want to be without, would never want to have to run from pharmacy to pharmacy in pursuit of. So if you want to go get these medications and have your antibiotics on supply so that you always have them when you need them in case of an emergency, in case of a disaster, in case of being a, you know, a victim of this drug shortage, Jace Medical will have you covered. All you need to do is go to jacemedical.com and enter the code SHAMELESS at checkout for a discount on your order. That's promo code SHAMELESS at jacemedical, J-A-S-E medical.com, jacemedical.com, code SHAMELESS. This is the Shameless Mom Academy, episode 689 with Amy Lang. Show notes for this episode, including any links mentioned in the episode, can be found by going to shamelessmom.com and clicking on episode 689. And this episode is explicit because we are going to be talking about sex talks with tweens. So if you want to put in some earbuds, AirPods, headphones, whatever, this is the time to do it. Welcome to the Shameless Mom Academy. I'm your host, Sarah Dean. I'm here to give you and other passionate, driven, unapologetic moms tools, resources, and a little bit of humor to help you lead more positive, powerful, and purposeful lives every damn day. One of the best things about the Shameless Mom Academy is our community. So be sure to join us in our free private Facebook group to connect with other shameless moms just like you. You can find us over at shamelessmom.com forward slash Facebook. All right, let's dive into today's episode. Amy Lang has been a sexual health educator for over 25 years. With her lively, engaging, and down-to-earth style, she helps parents become more comfortable and confident talking to their kids. Amy's books, online resources, and podcasts show parents how they can really become their kids' go-to source for the birds and the bees. Amy is still married to her first husband, and they are getting the hang of parenting their recently launched man-child. And she lives here in Seattle, not so far from me. So Amy was on the show a while ago, like a few years ago, talking to us about how to talk to younger kids about bodies. And I will link to that in the show notes um, so that you can go back and listen to that episode. I went and looked and it was episode 120, which was like a lifetime ago. But that was a really, really valuable conversation if you have younger children. This time she's on the show to talk about talking to your tweens about sex. And given that Vinny just turned 10 a few days ago, I was rather desperately in need of this conversation. (laughs) Amy's an incredible educator who makes talking about sex one million times easier and more fun than anyone I know. So I was so delighted and honestly relieved when she came out with a book that was exactly what I needed at right the time that I needed it. So listen in to hear Amy share 
why sex talk nearly always falls to the mom as a result of our own conditioning and experiences around sexuality, how to get tweens to listen when you talk about sex and sexuality, the importance of knowing how to talk about sex with your kids before you actually engage in the conversation, the importance of knowing your values around sex and sexuality before you talk to your kids about it, how to make up or redo a conversation if you feel like you made a misstep. Yes, you can go back and have a (laughs) do-over. Why we don't need to worry about giving our kids too much information on sex and sexuality, how to talk to our kids about sex in an inclusive way that honors a variety of sexual orientations, why we must talk to our kids about porn no matter what you think your kid is or is not seeing on the internet. Amy told me that this is important because most kids view porn for the first time at the age of nine, which was an eye-opening statistic to give me. She also shares how to talk to your kids about porn in a really clear way and specific steps to take to monitor, filter, and block web exposure. So this conversation is just jam-packed with really important content that is going to help you in so many ways. It's going to help you bring ease and comfort to having these conversations that can definitely be uncomfortable and sticky. But Amy also shares lots of really helpful, fantastic resources. And of course, she talks about her book, Sex Talks with Tweens, which I want you all to run out and get if you have a kid anywhere in the tweens arena, because the book is full of conversation and scripts that you can use to navigate these conversations with your kids. So I got the book as soon as it came out. I literally like had the pre-order months ago and I just set it on our stairs and I was like, I'm just going to see what Vinny does when he sees this. And he saw it on the stairs and he brought it like ran to me. He's like, mom, can we read this together? He was so excited. So if you have a kid who wants to read sex talk books with you, this is the one for you. So with all that said, please join me in welcoming back Amy Lang to the Shameless Mom Academy. Amy, welcome back to the Shameless Mom Academy. I'm so happy to have you here. I'm super happy to be here. It's been a while. It has been a while. I should probably start feeling like old because of how many things I feel very long time ago in my show. So you were on maybe in the first year, which feels like a very long time ago. And the conversation we had then was around talking about the birds and the bees and little kids and talking about body parts and how do you like use proper anatomical terms. I so remember this conversation. And I remember at the time I still was like having to give Vinny baths. So we were in that season and now I'm not having to give him baths. I have to bargain with him to make him take a shower, which is a whole situation. And we're having very different conversations around bodies in our house. So I'm so excited to dig into all of that with you today. Yeah. Thanks. Me too. It's, I love this progression, right? Mm -hmm. It's growing. And then we get to have this conversation and yeah, welcome to the goats and farts stage of (laughs) Milo's bedroom. He's 21 now, but his bedroom smelled like goats and farts. And it was so (laughs) gross that I just shut the door and I would occasionally go in and get things, dishes, but he did his own laundry. I was like, I'm out. You're going to be smelly. You'll be smelly. So I feel you. I've been there. It's gross. (laughs) So gross. So gross. We're not fully in the stinky stage yet, but like, I know that it's coming. So we are in like heavy negotiation around regularly changing socks and underwear. And I'm like, why do we still have to have this conversation every day? (laughs) Just stop. He's going to get gross and his friends are going to say you're gross and that'll take care of it. (laughs) Certain kinds of peer pressure and it's his gross business. That's true. Except for that he likes to get in my bed at night on my side of the bed and like lay there while we're reading. I'm like, I don't want those dirty socks in my bed. Consequence. 
<laughs> natural okay. costume. You, you're welcome here if you are not in that outfit. And otherwise, <laughs> yes. you can be on the floor. I bet it takes yes. two times. You can yes. Get back to me on my yes. parenting advice. I love it. I love it. So good. Okay. So I want to kick us off with my kickoff question that I always ask. So I want to know a little bit about the dynamics of your personal and professional life beyond your bio and what you're most excited about right now. Oh, I love that question. So right now, you know, my kids out of the nest and has been for a while. So it's been really fun for me to have more space just in terms of I go pick a ball in the middle of the day if I want to. And before I had to kind of, you know, cram it all in. Right. Um, so that's been really good. I have more flexibility. And then I've been doing this for a long time. So I also feel pretty settled into what I'm doing. But as you know, as an entrepreneur, things get boring. So <laughs> Two things I'm really excited about are my new book, Sex Talks with Tweens. So getting that out in the world, there is really not anything support for parents in that age group. And what tends to happen between nine and 12 is that people get the party started and then they have this space of like nothing's happening. Mm -hmm. um, so I'm excited about that. And then the other thing I'm excited about, and I think by the time we, this is airing, I'm starting a group of 30 or 40 people doing something called the hive where it's much more intensive and I cannot wait to get it started. I just need, I'm really excited about it. So it'll be a deeper dive into how to have the conversations and that kind of thing. So, and again, focused on parents of tweens. So I'm very excited about that. I love this. It's so interesting because you're absolutely right about, first of all, I just want to congratulate you on seeing a hole in the marketplace and taking advantage because that is like the definition of entrepreneurship. So well done. <laughs> but I also totally hear you that there's all these boxes that you check with a kid when a kid is a certain age around autonomy or uh, anatomy and autonomy, <laughs> anatomy and like consent on like a five-year-old level. And then we get into the stuff around nine, 10 and I am very, I'm like, I think there's certain conversations I'm supposed to be having. I don't know how to start them. I don't know how to enter them. I don't know how to certain questions that come up. I'm like, how deep do we go with that? <laughs> so I hear you. I'm so grateful that you're doing the work that you're doing because it's absolutely needed. And it's so great, such great timing that you're doing this right when I need it. So thank you for that. My pleasure. Thank you for, you know, being the perfect host, right? Exactly. Exactly. So can you tell us a little bit about how you got started before we dig into this current work that you're doing. I think the background piece is important. And I think it's because I know it relates to you not always getting it right. And I think sometimes we think that like experts just always got it right. No, I know. I mean, and here I am, my child is done. So he's cooked man, child, he's off in the world. And yeah, of course I didn't get it right, but I got my start because of him. I'd been a sex educator doing the typical stuff, working with adolescents and adults and doing, you know, birth control, pregnancy, abortion, counseling, STI counseling. I loved it. I was super good at it. It was my hobby. And then I just figured when I had a kid, I would be, you know, a rock star. It would be super easy of course. naturally because I knew all the things, right? And so then Milo was, I think he was five and he, I, he was getting ready for a bath and he grabbed his penis and he said, hey, mama, did you know? And I stood there and thought, God, please do not tell me it feels good to touch your penis because I got nothing. And I thought, oh God. So I just said, what? And he said, I can feel the veins in there where the blood goes. And I or see the veins in there where the blood goes. And I said, great, get in the bathtub. And then I had this moment of like, oh God, you're fucked. Oh, am I allowed to stare? <laughs> um, I was like, oh shit. So then that was this point in my life where I thought, all right, I got to figure this out. Right. I mean, yeah. really there's something crappy stuff that can go on right with sexuality. And I want him to be healthy and happy and make good decisions. So I started doing a bunch of research to figure out like, okay, when 
When do we start the conversations? What should they look like? What's the best practice essentially? And then I also have a master's and my focus was in adult education. So I just combined my two favorite things, working with adults and talking about sex. And so that's, that's it. And so that's how birds and bees and kids started was because of Milo. And as you can imagine, he was just mortified by me and my work. (laughs) for a very long time because I'm local famous. I'd be in the grocery store and there'd be a mom that'd be like, oh, Amy Lang, you help me talk to my kids about sex. And Milo would be like, oh God, and just run oh, the, the worst. Uh, worst. <laughs> How dare you? How dare you, mom? I mean, my child's embarrassed that I'm on the parent association, so I can't imagine the level of embarrassment for something bad. a little more controversial bad. or sensitive. <laughs> It was bad, but hey, welcome to Oh my gosh, so great, so great. This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Hey there, I'm Debbie Reber, the founder of Tilt Parenting and the author of the book, Differently Wired. The mission of Tilt is to change the way neurodivergence, whether that's having a learning disability, having ADHD, being gifted, autistic, or some combination of all of the above, is perceived and experienced so differently wired kids and the parents like us raising them can truly thrive. On the Tilt Parenting Podcast, I get to talk with authors, therapists, educators, and parenting experts who are committed to this mission. I ask the questions my listeners are most curious about when it comes to supporting our kids. And in turn, my guests share strategies for challenges, out-of-the-box ideas for navigating school, best practices for therapies, tips for advocating, and so many thoughtful insights on what it really takes to help our kids grow up feeling seen and respected so they can create awesome lives for themselves. I know that raising a differently wired kid can feel overwhelming and isolating, but I promise you, you are not alone and it can feel so much better. If you're on this parenting journey, come listen to Tilt Parenting. Together, we can shift this paradigm and show up for our exceptional kids with hope, possibility, and joy. I do want to touch on the fact that sex talk nearly always falls to the mom, if there's a mother is a, in that role of primary caregiver, talk about that a little bit. Cause I'm sure this has come up a lot in your research. And what's interesting to me about this piece is that it would make sense that your parent with the same genitalia and body parts would like lead conversations. Cause they would have this personal experience. But to your point, your son was like, mom, look at my penis and you don't have a penis. So talk a little bit about that, about the mom, about the defaults of this landing in mom's laps. So I think about this a lot and I think two things, first of all, if, like you said, if there's a mom on the scene in a heterosexual relationship, then we tend to take over the caregiving in general. Mm -hmm. And so that includes this, but the bigger piece is that we have more at stake. Mm. And so I think that part of it is sort of subconsciously, you know, I could, could have not anymore. Thank thank you, could have gotten pregnant, you know, we're much more vulnerable to abuse and assault. And we, you know, we have our personal histories, most of which for most of us include some kind of sexual not okayness. Mm -hmm. And so I think that runs in the background. And so when it comes to this conversation, it's like, I don't want my person with penis to treat women that way. And I don't want 
anybody to be vulnerable and I want them to have what I didn't have. And so I think part of it is this kind of subconscious, I'm going to take this on to make sure it doesn't happen. Mm-hmm. And then for the, you know, the daddies on the scene, I think they just have a different perspective. They're socialized differently. You know, they still are like, you know, when girls have sex, they're sluts. And when boys have sex, they're studs. So if you're coming out of that culture, right? Like, why would you even need to think much about it? Right, right. I am kind of spitballing here, but something about that feels right to me because I can't figure out like, yeah, I, I think it's the two things. We do the primary caregiving. We make the primary parenting decisions. We lead the, generally speaking, you know, especially, you know, I'm 55. So I think I'm, I'm seeing in our neighborhood, there are lots of daddies around. And I think that things might be getting more egalitarian, but, and, you know, that's kind of historically how it is. So we oftentimes are the ones that take this particular job on. And that's, yeah, that's so interesting. And that makes so much sense. And I had thought about kind of the first part of that, the 50% that's like primary caregiver role, default parent, you just happen to be there for a lot of the things, but I hadn't thought about, and it makes total sense. And you're absolutely right the conditioning and experiences that we bring to the table that we are like really wanting to be thoughtful about raising for me, raising a son. And what are the conversations that are really important? Because I don't want my son to be that jerk that does that thing to women or that like predator or whatever, whatever word you might want to fill in there. Um, I don't want him to grow up and be a rapist. Thank you. Exactly. 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 Like how to not raise a rapist. I don't know why that wasn't the title of your book. (laughs) That's the next one. (laughs) But yeah, I think that this piece is really important. And I do recognize when we have conversations about things and we'll get into this in a minute, there's definitely nuance and wording where I've been really careful about certain things that I've said so that it doesn't always seem like in relationships, everything's driven by the male. And so if you are 14 and you have a girlfriend, you're not like in charge of everything. You are jointly making decisions as 14 year olds, as much as 14 year olds can jointly make decisions, but you're jointly making decisions at whatever age that is. And so it's been interesting to kind of think through that nuance and be really intentional about it. And yeah, that's because of how I was conditioned as a female and my own experiences for sure. So I think that piece is really important. Yeah. Yeah. And I do too. And the other thing is, yes, that's the conditioning of the Mm -hmm. adulty people with tallywhackers. And, you know, we need to be sure our boys know that it's okay to be vulnerable and afraid and talk about their feelings and to not be into doing it right. To not be interested in any kind of sexual behavior, to not want to date, to be, you know, you don't have to be so into it, right? Like they need to have a, like everybody needs the same information. Everybody needs the same coaching and talking to about healthy relationships and consent and all of that with an eye towards, okay, our culture says this about guys, right? We got to have that in there and this about gals. And so just making sure that everybody's getting that same info and encouragement from us, right? To be, because we are the most powerful people in our kids' lives when it comes to their sexual health and relational health. So using that power for good, especially at this tweeny time where it's suddenly relevant, it's suddenly relevant. So thinking about like, what do I want in the end for my kiddos? Like, how do I want them to be in relationship and then teaching to that? Or yeah, I mean, we're teaching, right? Right. We had um, an interesting situation recently. And actually now I've noticed it multiple times, but we're like, as you know, one of our many pandemic hobbies, we were trying to find a new show to watch. And so we were like, oh, the wonder years. And my husband and I both were like, oh, this will be great. So we start watching like season one from, you know, 
20 some years ago. And we watched the first couple episodes and I'm like, Oh my God. I was like, Vince, we can't do this anymore. The whole thing is the whole entire focus of the show was just Kevin pining after Winnie. And I was like, I don't want Vinny to think that when he turns 12 or 13, that like his full-time job is to be like going goo goo over a girl. Maybe that will naturally happen, but I don't want the lesson to be that like, when you turn 12 or 13, you're going to find a girl in your class and you're just going to spend your whole day dreaming about what it would be like to make out with her. If that happens naturally cool, but I'm not going to like teach you that that's what boys do. Right. Maybe they all naturally do that, but I don't think they all do. And so to your point around, like, maybe you're interested in this, maybe you're not like any of that can be okay. So I was like, oh my God, Vince, we got to turn this off. <laughs> it's funny. That's really funny. We watched all of that 70s show with Milo when he was oh. in middle school and it was great. There's so much there to talk about. And frankly, I would watch the wonder years with him because it does change. And that is part of being, and it's not that influential, especially since you're there to say what you just right. said. Right. right. Well, we watched the new one and the new one, then they, in that one, they have, it's the characters are way more dynamic. Like they're not so singular focused. And so it's like, there can be like, you can be interested in a girl, but like, you also like want to go play sports with your friends or whatever. And then I was like, okay, that seems more better. Yeah. yeah. But it is interesting. Cause now as he's pulled up more shows and stuff over time, it is just interesting. The different shows that have teen characters and so much of the content is around like relationships and boys just chasing girls around constantly. So yeah. Yeah. Well, that also is one of the biggest things that's happening. I mean, you were, you were a teenager, right? I I think about those years. One of the big things is I think about how I never had a boyfriend. I had a hype, super crush on Colin Griswold and never, nothing ever happened. How I, you know, I didn't have sex. I wasn't ever like in any kind of romance. And so that was a big thing churning Mm. around in my head. There was other stuff going on, but that was really, and maybe I'm, you know, maybe I'm not typical, but that is a huge part of adolescence. Yeah. Yeah. Sorting sorting, sex and relationships, like our bodies are like, Hey, oh, let's do this thing. And unfortunately our brains are like the last thing we should be doing. The last thing we should be doing. Yeah. You know, and I think that things are better now. Mm-hmm. I think things are better now. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. For sure. So how do we get our tweens to listen to us? Yeah. I'm going to start with that. Okay. <laughs> so ideally you would have already been talking about all of this stuff. So when they get into that, I don't want to hear it. Like I know everything phase. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You, they already know that this is just how you roll in your family. Right. And so they're used to it. And that's one of, that's the ideal way. But if you're jumping in, like most people do at about nine or 10, then the ooh factor has kicked in oftentimes. And so they don't want to listen. It grosses them out. So a couple of things you can do, you can say that, just say, I get it. You don't want to hear about this. It's gross to you. That's because you're a kid, but it's really important that you have information about this. And so I'm going to talk about it. You do not have to respond to me. You don't have to say a word. But we're going to have, I'm going to be talking with you about this. And then lots of kids are really interested, you know, and get good books for them to read. And if they'll allow it, read them with them. You know, by the time kids are 11, 12, they're oftentimes everybody's different, not so interested in reading, especially those kinds of books with their kids. Um, But just because your kid isn't interested, that doesn't mean you don't talk. This is your responsibility. So that's one thing you just need to lay it out there and just do it. 
One thing that I think is really important for kids and to say this, if you live in a universe where you have sex ed, which usually is in about fifth grade, is that you tell your kid like, hey, you know, you're uncomfortable, but let me just tell you how great it is to know everything before you're in that class. And, you know, with Milo, he knew everything and, or not everything, everything, but he knew almost everything. And I was dying when he started, um, <laughs> you know, sex ed, like they usually do it in these chunks. And I'm like, okay, okay, keep it chill, keep it chill. So after three days, I said, so how's it going? And he said, oh, mama, the questions those kids have. And I said, must feel good to have, to like to know the answers already. And he went puff up, he stood up straighter and he puffed up and he said, yeah. And then I said, what kind of questions do they have? And he said, I'm not telling you that. <laughs> My child. So you can't force them to listen, right? But right. you can find times, right? And yeah. when you're in the car is a really good time. Don't abuse that. When you're doing something else, if you're sporty, like, you know, tossing a ball around, you're on a walk, you're walking the dog, doing the dishes, folding laundry. Those are times when it's easier to talk to these folks. Um, they do not like eye contact. Mm -hmm. And you can't go on and on and on, like no lectures. So two minutes is kind of the maybe two minutes, one minute. So that means you need to figure out what you're going to say before you say it. Yes, this is, yes. I have a follow-up question about that. Go ahead. Yes. So you need to have a sense of what you want to say before you say it. So you need to also know your values because that's, what's going to give you roots and going to help your kids too, because they're going to get so much information unattached to values or values that we don't agree with. Mm. Right. And so if you're talking about your beliefs about, you know, when it's okay to, you know, be in a sexual relationship with someone, you know, your values about what a healthy relationship looks like, that kind of thing, you know, your values about different kinds of relationships and all of that, because what that does for you is it settles you down. And I have another book called birds and bees in your kids, which is that, that is the whole goal of the book is to help you figure out what you think and believe about a bunch of different topics and then when you're talking about it, you feel more confident because you've done so that kind sense. of, I'm not very woo woo, but you've kind of done that hardcore work. Right. Right. You're a little out of your head. And then when you can totally in your head, when you're yammering on about masturbation and what that, <laughs> what mm-hmm. that is, right. Not yammering when you're intelligently, calmly, and very articulately right. talking about masturbation. And it is, I totally agree with you on like the short snippets and the no eye contact and also like the things in passing. I know that for us, There's been things that have been said that are like just quick little snippets on a walk in the car, again, moments with no eye contact, but also like walking in and out of the room, like when changing clothes kind of a thing, or so it's like super, I mean, it's not two minutes, it's like seven seconds, but it's just this acknowledgement of like some sort of, he'll ask a random question. I throw out a random and not a random, hopefully a kind of thoughtful answer, but just like quick enough to answer the question. And I think with that, it establishes trust and safety that like, we can just talk about this whenever it's not a big deal. Even though sometimes the question gets answered and then I, or the question is asked and then I answer. And then for like three days after I'm like, was that the right thing that I said? (laughs) Yeah. So here's the cure for that. I love that, right? You're just making it natural, normal, little snippets of things. And so when you have that moment, when you're like, Ooh, did I do that? Well, or what the hell did I say? You just go back and say, Hey, remember when we talked about blood, we'll just say masturbation. Cause why not? Remember we talked about masturbation. I kind of left some stuff out. So, you know, here are the three things that I think you should also know, blah, da, 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 and just follow up. 
And then they know, you know what you're talking about. And also again, you know, they may not like it, but they need to know. And oftentimes there's tons of relief in getting that extra information. And the other thing you can do too, is say, you know what? I'm sorry. I did not answer that well, or I did not handle that well. Let me try again. Because when we apologize to our kids sincerely for a legit mistake, not reflex apologizing, like we lovely people with all this like to do, just say, Hey, you know what? I screwed that up. Let me try again. I'm sorry. I want to do this again. Right. They lean into us. Right. Right. I love that. And yeah. And I think that makes a lot of sense. And again, doing that in a casual way where it's just like, let me just correct this thing and you can do it. And I think that it's so funny (laughs) because you're treating it like just light and conversational, even though on the inside, you're like, Oh my God. (laughs) But I also think maybe the more you do it, the less the, Oh my God. (laughs) Right. It's practice in life. It's practice. And one thing you can do is it's it's having an intentional conversation. So you can practice having an intentional conversation about something that's not related to sex, right? It might be related to golf scores, for example. You're like, all right, I want to talk to them about if that's relevant in your life, which I don't know what that is, but so like baseball, want, baseball is relevant. Baseball, right baseball. So you want to have an entire, you want to have a conscious conversation about baseball and baseball. So you can say, Hey, you know what? I just learned this really cool thing. And you tell the really cool thing you learned about, you know, what's inside a baseball. I don't know. Cause I am only one sporty. <laughs> it involves a ball. It has holes in it. So it kind of is not a ball. So practicing that it helps you flex that muscle of, okay, now I'm going to talk about tampons Mm. or something harder, right. Or something Mm. harder, you know, I'm going to talk about sexual assault. Mm. And so you get ready with that. And, you know, one other thing that I haven't said, it is so helpful Mm. to plan. It is not cheating. They're so self-centered. They're never going to know if you're like, all right, my book is all scripts. So you're like, okay, I got to talk about I don't know what, like, give me a topic, right? Orgasms. I got to talk about orgasms. So you flip through the book and then here's the script on orgasms. And so you're like, all right, I'm all good with the orgasms. So now when am I going to fit this into my lifestyle and to our lifestyle? And you know, you need to do this. So you can say, and this is like, they're again, they're so self-centered. You can say, you know what? I was just thinking, you know what? I don't know if we've talked about this, but you know how people have sex for pleasure because it feels good. Well, the thing that feels the best is something called having an orgasm. Ever heard that word before? this is time buying. And they'll say no, or they'll say yes. Or they'll say, uh. And you say, well, an orgasm is something that happens to both people with clitorises and people with penises. And you say, it feels like the best description ever is it feels like a really great sneeze. It's exactly and, what my seventh grade teacher said. Yeah. 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 We have Peter Mal to thank for that. He wrote, where did I come from? from the seventies. So it feels like a really great sneeze, but it's from the clitoris and the vulva area and it's from penis. And this is the kind of the big reason people have sex. Now, not everybody has an orgasm and you need to learn your body to have that happen. And when people with penises have an orgasm, some semen and stuff comes out and clitoris people can squirt as well. That's a little like you can add that in, but I think it's like the big picture, we're doing big picture here. And then later, if you want to talk about the squirting, but not everybody squirts, but pretty much everybody with a tallywhacker has a little something come out. Right. So then you've done that and you're sweating bullets and you've had, right. Oh, I'm sweating. Just listening. Yeah. To yeah. You yeah, as yeah, an yeah. Expert That's my practice. <laughs> That's my practice. Right. And you can say all this outside and then, you know, you give them some slang it's called coming or I don't know. I can't remember. <laughs> Look at me. Yeah. Right. So, and then you're done. And this is definitely a car conversation, Mm -hmm. but you hear how I went, you know, I was just thinking, 
Right. And I was going to say, that's like, what's so helpful. I mean, all of this is so helpful, but the entry into the conversation is that's really helpful. And this is why everyone needs to get the book to have the scripts. <laughs> so great. Okay. So I'm wondering, I'm sure listeners like me now are like, holy cow, you have just given a whole bunch of different topics with like subtopics within just the kind of umbrella topic of sex and sexuality. And we think of it as like, well, I need to talk about my kids about sex. And all we think about is having like the talk, which is intercourse. (laughs) You've just given like 18 other topics. There's so many other pieces that I'm realizing as I'm listening to you where I'm like, oh my God, this is so many conversations. And so I think that it is important to recognize that it's not just one because it is all these little touch points. And every time it's just like one more little, I want to say tool in the toolkit or like topic in the one more little chapter in the book. Um, that you're kind of just ticking off the list so that they have an understanding of all and understanding and normalization of all of this. Cause I think that when I grew up in 1980, in the eighties, there, it was like one conversation about one thing. <laughs> and now we're recognizing, no, it's like a lot of conversations yeah. about a lot of things. It's more than that. It's more than that. And, you know, I think you're to your point, right. It's all intercourse kind of focused and it was also really prevention focused, right? Like mm, yeah. really worried, like don't do it until you're ready. And what does that mean? And don't want you getting an STI and Lord knows if there's pregnancy potential on the table, we do not want that. Mm-hmm. And that is still hanging over with that. But if you think yeah. about it in terms of preparation, right preparation. And there's so many pieces, like you said, it's not just penises and vaginas. It's like, what is consent? What does that look and feel like? It's how do you know you're in a healthy relationship? How do you know you're ready to be in a romantic relationship? What if you're not ever, what if you're asexual? And that all sounds like living hell, right? Mm -hmm. Like, what do you do with all the different sexualities? And, and yeah, it's a lot of different pieces. And the good news is you don't have to be, you cannot be the Wikipedia, right. Of this. So there are lots of resources for kids and for families and for parents that make all that easier. And that's the other reason why we do these short little snippets, Mm -hmm. right? Just little, little blurps at your kids, um, with your kids, at your kids, with your kids to get the seed in there, get something into them. And, you know, one of the big worries is that we're going to give them too much information. And for most of us, that is just impossible. Your goal. Uh, So yes, talk more about that. I think that's a really important point. Yeah. So we are always going to err on the side of caution. And right now, the way our world is, that is not serving your kids at all. If you are giving them, giving them the information, if you are the one that's talking with them, the chance of you hurting them somehow with this information is incredibly slim because you're going to be able to talk calmly about it, read a book with them about it rather than them getting inundated with all kinds, which is going to happen anyway, mm-hmm. rather than, you know, they get inundated with all this information that is not healthy. It's not safe. It's not okay. So the goal is, you know, how you got sweaty talking about mm-hmm. the orgasms. Mm-hmm. That's what you want. You want to feel a little like, Oh God, am I going to say this? And that's probably enough information, the right amount of information holding back, especially by the time kids are entering sixth grade, it doesn't serve them to hold back because they're going to hear about everything. Everyone is porn exposed. Kids are sharing links. They're seeing this stuff. Their parents aren't protecting them online and on their phones. They think their kid would never, which is just total BS. Mm -hmm. And they're talking and they think that they know what they're talking about and they're not, they don't. So it's even more important that you make sure they're full up. Like they should know about basically all the things not, you don't have to be, like I said, you're not the Wikipedia, 
but they're great books that have all the, like all the things and you can use that as a guide. Yeah. yeah. I want to come back to porn in a minute. Cause I think that's a really important topic that is, I agree that we assume that wouldn't be my child. So I want to come back to that, but I want to also touch on something that you just pointed out. I want to dig into inclusivity in the way that we talk about relationships. And this is something that's come up just in the few conversations that I've had with, you know, a third grader, the first conversation when he, we've had a couple of conversations, just like surface level conversations about like, what is sex? And so of course, when I go to answer this, just really quick and cool and casual in passing, I'm like, oh, it's no big deal. It's just when, and I immediately go to what I was going to say and what I had in my head. And then I filtered. So what I had in my head was, oh, it's when a man puts his penis in a woman's vagina. So as I'm thinking that that's what, like, that's the answer. Right. And then I'm like, hold on, wait, but that makes it sound like he has the control and that he is like running the show. So I can't, I don't want to say that. And then it also makes it sound like it's always between a man and a woman. And also, so I'm like, oh my God, that's not the right answer. But like, how do I not make it 72 paragraphs to like edit that answer, which I was my like default. And so what I said in that moment was I said, there's, and he had asked because someone had referenced it somewhere. And I can't remember what the reference point was. So what I said was there's a lot of different ways to have sex, but the way that that was in reference to was when I said, when a woman lets a man put yeah. His penis and her vagina yeah. framed it in this way. That was like permissive bait, like yes. this woman yes. permission. And then after I said it, I was like, I don't know if that's right, but it felt better than. Yeah. It's husband. great. It is great. And you know what you're saying that. And I'm thinking, Oh fuck. I had that had not occurred to me. I just say penis goes in vagina. Mm. So there's no like penis enters vagina, three little words. Right. Right. So I love that perspective of the woman let's or the person with the vagina lets, right? Allows that right. to happen because it's going to switch our, how we think about that. So thank you for that. But yeah, you did great. There's lots of different ways to have sex. And so it's hard for us, but just getting the ball rolling, penis and vagina is fine. And then saying, and there are lots of different ways. There's lots of different sexual things people can do together, especially when a kiddo is under the age of nine or 10, right? I mean, just for me, that's kind of my marker. And you say like, it feels really good. There's lots of different ways to be sexual with someone and to have sex. And then you can just kind of leave it at that. And then moving on, you need to talk about the different ways people. So have. that was my next question. I'm like, am I, how am I like, here's 32 positions with all different genders. <laughs> no, we just say there are different ways to have sex. So like, you know, sometimes people have something called anal sex, which usually means that one person with a penis puts their penis in the other person's anus. It's something you don't ever have to do that. It's something they agree to do. It's not you know, it is definitely something that is, you know, varsity level or however you want to talk about that. You don't start out with that, right? Generally You talk about oral sex, people, it's all agree, 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 not for kids for later in life. Very clear about that. Um, And then touch, touching, hugging, kissing, caressing, you know, all the other things you can build up into that. But as my delightful spouse says, or other people say, if it's last name is sex, it's sex. Right. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. Confusion about that. Right. Cause kids right. will have anal and think, well, I haven't had sex cause it's not vaginal or oral too. I think right. that's a, yeah. Where I found myself and I was like, I hope he doesn't ask because I was thinking through like insane sex relationships. I'm like, I don't totally know all. Well, I mean, like I know a couple ways I can, yeah. but that, because that's not my experience. I'm like, 
I don't even know if he were to be like, how do two women or how do two, I'm like, I would be like making up scenarios in my head because I haven't been in that situation. Yeah, I mean, it's not hard to figure out, right? So, Oral sex, same. It's almost all okay. the same. And then sometimes women, you know, will use a vibrator or a dildo or whatever. And you don't necessarily need to go to that level of detail. Right. Right. This, you is, know. My, this is my like internal anxiety. Like, oh my yes. God, how far is this going to go? Yeah. Probably not that far. Because <laughs> mm-hmm. you also have the gross out factor. Like, oh God, okay, thank you. Stop talking. Right. right? And yeah. then you've gotten in there a little bit. And, you know, just talking about they agree to do this. You never have to do this. It feels really good for lots of folks and just being like kind of normalizing and letting them off the hook. Right. Mm. Right. It's like not everybody does this or likes this, but it's a thing people do. Yeah. Love that. Okay. That's super helpful. I'm Margaret. And I'm Amy. And together we host the podcast, What Fresh Hell? Laughing in the Face of Motherhood. Margaret, I would say you're sort of a where are my keys kind of mom. Correct. Sometimes a where are my kids kind of mom. (laughs) Well, you're Amy more of a we were supposed to leave 35 seconds ago, mom. I mean, touche. In each episode of What Fresh Hell, we come at a topic from our usually completely opposite perspectives. I bring the research. And I bring kind of the gimlet eye. Like, is that research really going to work, people? And almost 10 million downloads later, we're still laughing. We also talk to experts in the parenting field, plus parents with stories we can all learn from. We make each other laugh, we challenge each other's assumptions, and we have what we think is the best parenting community on the internet. Check out What Fresh Hell? Laughing in the Face of Motherhood wherever you listen to podcasts. When it comes to raising kids, there's so much to consider. Things like, what do we feed them? When do we feed them? How do they sleep? What does it look like to raise kind kids? How does their nervous system work? How do I keep myself calm? What are my triggers? There's so much that comes into play. And we are distilling all of that information for you at Voices of Your Village podcast, where we bring experts in the field of early childhood and education and psychology and across the board so that you don't have to comb the internet for information. You get to show up and hang out and have shame-free, judgment-free conversations and insights into what it looks like to raise kind, empathetic, emotionally intelligent humans. I'm Alyssa Blask Campbell. I have a master's degree in early childhood education. I'm a mom of two, and I am walking this journey right alongside you doing this work. Come hang out with me at Voices of Your Village, and we can dive into real conversations with actionable tips. Okay, let's go back to porn, which makes me really nervous. <laughs> I'm sorry. You know, I bummed. But I think this is so important because it I is, totally hear you on like because you know, growing up in the 80s, no internet, it wasn't a thing. So it's just so easy to assume. But I think that you can. I'm curious what you think about this like comparison that we all had that friend, or maybe it was our own parents that had like Playboy magazines in a in a closet somewhere. Yep. And Anytime you went to that friend's house, you were like, do you want to go look at the magazines? So it's the same thing, right? But the access point is so much easier and right in front of our face all the time. So is that a good comparison? It's a great comparison. And then you turn that, you multiply that Playboy magazine impact by, you know, with the porn by 18,000 million times. It is so much worse. Video is so much more impactful than the written word, than like a still photograph, and the reason Can you talk, oh, go ahead. Yeah. Talk yeah, about the reason that. We have to have this conversation is that the average age of porn exposure is nine. That oh my gosh. No, the reality is just based on my, I do quickie consultations and I would say a third of them are porn exposure, mm-hmm. if not more. And I seven, six, five, four, three, 
anybody that can get on the internet, any child that can get on the internet, they're going to be porn exposed. And so, so what that means is we have to get ahead of it and make sure that they are well-informed about healthy sexuality, typical sexuality, healthy relationships, and know that porn is fake. Those people are actors. Sex doesn't, real sex doesn't look like that, sound like that. People's bodies don't look like that. And so just being really clear about how it is, and it's not healthy for kids to see. It can really be upsetting. Uh, their hearts and their minds and their bodies are not ready to look at stuff like that. It can be really, it can really mess them up. And, you know, as an adult, when we see porn, we're able to say, thank you, no, thank you to it. Right. We're like, I'm not down for that. I'm okay. I'm cool with that. Right. If we're users and not everybody uses it. Right. So if you think about if you were 10 and you saw that, like, what would that do to you in terms of your thinking about yourself and thinking about sexuality? It's not good, but I will say this, even though everybody's exposed, everybody will see it by the time they're 18. It's not, it doesn't have the same impact. Like we're all wired differently. Some kids will see it and be like, meh, I don't care. I'm fine. I mean, I just had a consultation with a couple and there was porn exposure and the, this people's kid, he was, I don't know, eight, nine, 10. He was like, oh yeah, I did not like that but okay. That's what that is. Okay. I'm done now. I'm fine. He was Mm. fine. Other kids will, will rabbit hole and can't another consultation with a couple who's nine-year-old. It's really terrible. They moved and he was logged in on his mom's Google account for school, not his, which was locked down. And he searched up something. So he was toggling back and forth between school and porn for months before they figured it out. Oh my gosh. Yeah. So, you know, I'm saying this stuff and I'm sure you might be thinking my child would never, mm-hmm. right. It won't happen. We're careful. He only has mm-hmm. screen time on Thursdays for 15 minutes. Right. If you're doing that, then you get gold stars, but then that <laughs> right. going to go right. Then that kid is going to go to somebody else's house where they don't have those rules. Yeah. And so, you know, I believe that our responsibility as parents is to use monitoring and filtering to talk openly about what this is and what to do if they see it. And to have an ongoing conversation about it because they are going to see it. They are going to, you know, most likely they will use it in some way, but you can mitigate the impact of the exposure by talking openly with them about, about sex. And then also making it really clear. Like if you see this, let me know, you won't be in trouble. Super helpful. And I'm assuming in the book, is there a section on porn? I feel like I'm going to need a script. (laughs) I'm going to need a porn script. Yeah, you will. Everyone needs a porn script. Hey, how's it going? (laughs) Have you seen any porn lately? Right, right. right. Yeah, let me know. Did you like it? Um, And they need to help help making sense of it too. So, you know, and just checking in when they see it and saying, how are you doing? You know, we have questions about what you saw. And again, just being reassuring that they're not in trouble. And, you know, frankly, if you're not using monitoring and filtering on the devices that your kids have access to, and they see porn, that is 100% on you. It is not their responsibility to not be curious. Mm, That's a really great point. It is not their responsibility to not be curious. It's your responsibility to make sure they're safe online. And it isn't just porn. You can Google how to commit suicide and how to soak a tampon in vodka and stick it up your hoo-ha so you can get drunk that way. Oh my God. (laughs) I just learned something new. I know you're welcome. (laughs) Right. There's all kinds of terrible stuff and using the, I'll use the Apple controls. It's good enough. It's really nice to just have an app. You can shut down the Wi-Fi. You can see. So monitoring is watching. 
And I was so, just going to say, can you t- yeah. dig into this a little bit so that people yeah, yeah, kind of yeah. know the so specific steps? I'm going to give you a car analogy. So monitoring is watching and the monitoring is always on. And so you always, you can always see where your kids are going, what they're searching, all the stuff they're doing. So that's like the seatbelt, right? You get okay. in a car, there's always a seatbelt, right? Filtering is blocking things and keeping things kind of tight. And so with the younger your kid, the more things you block the more things you filter out. And then as they get older, you get it all the way open. They should be able to go anywhere they want by the time they're about sixth or seventh or eighth grade. They can go anywhere they want. You're still monitoring. You're still wearing the seatbelt. So with the filtering, think about when you had your itty bitty baby, they were in a bucket car seat, right? And then they got a little bit older and they, I don't even remember. Do we turn the bucket around? I can't remember. They get a bigger car seat, right? Right. And then the car seat gets turned around, right? Seatbelt, seatbelt, seatbelt. Then they get a booster. Then they get nothing seatbelt, seatbelt, seatbelt. And then they're in the front seat mm-hmm. and then they're driving. So it's the same. You would never let your kid in the car without that going on, but people let their kids out in the world wide web where they can do anything, go anywhere, see anything. Yeah. With the filtering and blocking, is there certain software that you use for that? Yeah. There's one that my friend who, this is all she does. It, it recommends is called bark and we'll make it show notes and okay. Yeah. Show notes. And, and it's relatively inexpensive. There are other things you can do that are that, you know, I mean, finances are often something for folks. There's lots of good tutorials about how to use what you've got on the phone or whatever, but it's, again, it's our responsibility to keep our kids safe. Right. right. And this is a dangerous place. There's amazing, wonderful stuff out there, but it is a pretty dangerous place. And you know, you don't want your kids head filled up with porn and thinking that I know what sex is. They do. They think porn is sex. They think they know how to do sex from watching porn. Right. And no, thank you. Yeah. Oh my goodness. Okay. This is so helpful. And we'll make sure to link to bark in the show notes for people who are curious about that. All right. I feel like my head is, (laughs) I know, I know. I'm all, I feel like I'm always a lot. No, it's so good. It's so good. It's so important. One of the things I was thinking as you were talking about this is we gave Vinny. So Vinny forever just used our iPads, which now like probably not a good idea. Used our iPads. Cause we were like, you don't get to have your own with him own, having ownership of a device that's that expensive was just like not in our family values for a long time. So we were, it was like, you can borrow my iPad to do this thing, whatever. So we finally dedicated an iPad to him a couple, a year ago or something. And my husband was like, okay, if this is going to be his iPad in quotes, then we need to have like things locked down. And he spent weeks and he was like, I cannot believe that this is, it takes this much to do this. And this is like, most parents don't have the time or resources. Like he's totally tech savvy. He had the extra time in the evenings and weekends. There's so many parents that just don't have those resources, the know-how, the like the time, the money, any of it. And so kids are just like, to your point, sharing iPads, sharing devices, seeing things all over the place. And so as you're saying, like, we need to get things locked down. I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm going to get, put my husband on this. And he's going to be like, oh, great. It's <laughs> I easy. have to do more it's work. Easy. It is so easy. And you will have such <clears throat> peace of mind. And Good. then while we're on devices, there is a website called wait until eighth. Mm, okay. About phones. No okay. one uh, in my estimation, nobody needs to have the ability to be on the internet, on a telephone until they are in at least eighth grade. And so you can get phones where they all they, and you can lock it down. So all they do is text and, you know, maybe share pictures and listen to music. But yeah. I highly, highly cannot say enough. Kids don't need phones. 
They don't need them. Yeah. It's a social status issue. It's a parenting issue. It's like a parenting, pro- like if I don't give my kid a phone, I'm not going to fit in. Right? right. It's about us. Right. I'm not going to fit in. Mm, yeah. And- it's about our own ego for sure. It's about your child's safety. And if there is any reason, like legit reason, which I can't figure out a legit reason for a kid to have a phone because we all managed <laughs> and the world's a safer place. The yep. world's a safer place, right? Out in the world, your kid walks home from school. Nothing is going to happen to them between home and school. That's all stranger myth. It's all a myth, right? Mm -hmm. The thing that's going to get to them is their phone. So I'm very passionate about this. Mm -hmm. And so really think about, does your child really need a phone? Because the reality is every other kid's going to have one. Yeah. Every adult has one. They don't need them. They don't need them. Sorry, I'm getting a little soapboxy. Um, I love, no, this is super helpful because and, I know there's parents who are, cons- parents are considering this right now in this era, we're yeah. airing this in September and it's a new school year and people are like, oh, is this the year that we do this? No, so. it's not. So Milo had a, he had in seventh grade, he had a, not a flip phone, but a slide out phone. So he could text and he could have gotten online on it. No, now granted things are, things have changed. They're more specific. Totally. He could have gotten online on it. Um, and then in the ninth grade, he, we're all smartphone. He had to pay for half of it. Mm, love that. And so when he dropped it within three months and broke the screen, he had to pay for the screen mm. getting fixed. So it's a privilege, not a right. So I highly recommend they have to pay for half of it because there's better ownership, but it's family choice, but just know that you're risking your child being, unless you lock it down like crazy town, yeah. It's just a source of anxiety and then potentially harm. Yeah. And potentially harm. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And you know, it kind of takes the childhood out of childhood when a kid has a phone to yeah. me, right. Yeah. It's yeah. not their job to be connected. Yeah. It's up to play. <laughs> Love it. Oh my goodness. We could go on and on so many good things here. So I want everyone to go get the book. I'm going to ask you for links in just a minute. So you can point people in the right direction so that people can go get sex talk with tweens. But before we do that, can you tell us in one sentence, how are you currently showing up as a shameless mom? Oh, by not smothering my 21 year old Mm. with (laughs) anything. He's an adult. We don't give him money. He has a job. He takes care of himself. He's always been very independent. And I think that, you know, parenting a, an adult child is very different. And so I would say that really changing up our, my interaction with him, like peer to peer, right. I mean, I'll always be his mama, but yeah. that, I think that's kind of where I'm being shameless. I'm not obsessing about him. Like many parents do anyway, he has a delightful girlfriend and there's way too much parenting still happening. <laughs> <laughs> you get to see the other side of the spectrum. <laughs> yeah. Like she's fine. <laughs> it really <it>. is. Anyway. <laughs> So I think that's, I mean, I'm kind of out of the parenting, right? I mean, yeah. I think, you know, in some ways You've and made it, you congratulations. And, and if I may, when I look yeah. back at being like shameless is we I followed my gut. I did not follow the crowd. Mm-hmm. We parented differently because we did not, because so we were outliers and yeah. that I'm really proud of. And so I guess I'm just going to say this. If you feel like doing something that's going against the crowd, do it. I love that. I think that's really important. Really important. Thank you for that. All right. So tell people where can they get the book sex talk with tweens? Where can they find all your resources? Cause I know you have so many good things. So point us in the right direction. Okay. So the book is called sex talks with tweens, what to say and how to say it. And on my website, it's birds and bees and kids.com. If you just click on bookstore, 
there it is. And you can get it at all the different places. And, you know, a couple other things that I offer. I do have a podcast called Yes, Just Say This. And it is all what we just talked about. People call in, they ask me questions and I answer them on the show. And it is 100%. I get a question from a parent of a three-year-old, question from a parent of a 13-year-old. And so it's all over the map. And I don't have any, I generally don't have, I have porn shows and I only have guest stars. So I don't have, I'm not an interview style podcasts and it's super fun and interesting. And for me, and I like to give advice. So good stuff. And <laughs> on social too, and we'll link all this up. We'll link up the book. We'll link up your website. We'll link up the sh- uh, podcast and then social media. Cause following you on social, I love when you have, you you'll post questions that people have submitted and then you get to see a whole bunch of people's replies. So you get to see like your expert opinion on things, which is always great, but to see like just how other people are doing things and saying things. And it's so comforting <laughs> to feel like you're like, Oh, okay. There's, there's a few different ways you can say this. And here's a way that feels good to me or feels authentic. So that's really valuable as well. So yeah, we'll- I love that. I love it too, because I'm, I'm not end all be all. Right. 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 I'm not, but people who follow you have your similar values. So it's the conversation is, is under through that lens, which I find to be super, super helpful, which so all great things. Okay. We will link everything up. So if people go to shamelessmom.com, click on the episode with Amy Lang, you can get all the resources, go get the book, sex talk with tweens. Amy, thank you for being here. When you write the next book, you have to come back again. That's your assignment. Then you'll be a teenager. Yeah, I know we have to keep going. I'm going to need more help. Okay. Fair enough. Fair enough. And thank you so much. Thank you for trusting me with your people. I really, really, gosh, always, always. You're always welcome. Thank you so much for joining me in the Shameless Mom Academy today. I really, really appreciate you being here and I hope you learned something new. As always, this conversation will be continued over in our free private Facebook group. You can join that group by going to shamelessmom.com forward slash Facebook to connect with other shameless moms just like you. Additionally, if this is your first time listening to the show, know that we are here every Monday and Wednesday with a brand new episode. So make sure you subscribe, go to whatever podcast app you use and subscribe to the show so you never miss an episode. You can do that directly if you go to shamelessmom.com forward slash review. That will put you in Apple Podcasts where you can click on the subscribe button and you can also leave a review. If you scroll down a little bit, you can leave a five-star review. You can write a few sentences letting me know what you thought about the show. If you let me know how the show has impacted you in becoming a more shameless mom, you might be nominated to be Shameless Mom of the Week. Also, please share this episode. My goal is to help more mamas be more shameless every damn day. So please do share this episode. You can take a screenshot of the episode on your phone and then share it out on social media. Tag me at the Shameless Mom Academy on Facebook or Instagram. I'm quick to reply and eager to send you Facebook love and love to be connected to all of you. So again, thank you for being here. I can't wait to be back here again with you in just a couple days. And until then, no matter what you do today, make sure you do it shamelessly. Real truth alert, pregnancy, birth, and having a baby isn't all sunshine and rainbows. I wish it were, but the reality is that many people struggle and suffer through this time without the right help or even knowing what they're dealing with. I'm perinatal psychologist, Dr. Katayun Kayani, also known as Dr. Kat. My podcast, Mom and Mind, aims to shine a light on the difficult reality that so many hopeful and new parents experience and raise the volume on how we can better support mental health which is a big part of our overall health. 
Episodes include personal stories from people who have healed through things like pregnancy and postpartum anxiety, depression, PTSD, and so much more. I also talk with specialists and experts who explain and educate on these conditions. All of this to support parents to know that they are not alone, that healing is possible, and there are resources that can help you today. Listen into Mom and Mind and walk with me through the world of perinatal mental health.